And so we discover that Pharaoh first hardened his own heart and continued to harden his heart. Sometimes God made that hardening a little worse, but eventually God would make firm the condition of Pharaoh's heart because he refuses to repent, truly repent. He would, in one of these plagues, we'll see that he asked for forgiveness. He declares that I have sinned and forgive me. He says the words, but our fruit is seen, not just by the words that we say, but the fruit that we bear. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round, and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. All right. We're right in the middle of going through the ten plagues. Exodus chapters 9 and 10 tonight. I'm going to concentrate a bit on chapter 9 and go a little bit quicker in chapter 10. It's kind of how the study worked out for me. And, uh, and we have three plagues in chapter 9 and two in chapter 10, although the verses are about the same length. And so we'll kind of go through 10 a little bit faster than 9, but there's some things that uh, I, I was discovering today, and I love to discover God's truth as I go through the Word of God, and I hope that you do too as we come together to worship, to lift up our voices in song, but to especially learn from his word, the things that he would have for us, and to really draw analogies, how we can relate his word to our life today. And I believe there are some relatable things that take place in the Exodus and the accounts of Moses and Aaron going to Pharaoh and the well, tonight, the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth plagues. And according to, and I briefly mentioned this at the close of the message last week, according to Numbers 34, 4, God sent the plagues to execute judgment on the gods of Egypt. This is the verse that I referred to. I didn't read it last week. Numbers 33, 4 says, For the Egyptians were burying all their firstborn, whom the Lord had killed among them. Also on their gods, the Lord executed judgments. And last week, I attempted to relate specific Egyptian gods that could have been part of the judgment that God was bringing upon Egypt as these ten plagues, and they had gods, um, they had a god. They had frogs come up from the river all over the houses, everything in the kneading bowls and the flour 
Frogs were everywhere, and they worshipped a god, a female god. She was a female with a frog's head. And I, I looked up, and you can look up online, a, an Egyptian god with a frog's head, and you'll see little figures of this. They worship frogs. We were relating those gods. We'll do that again. We'll connect some things. And uh, I found some of them interesting as we'll go through today. So in chapters 7 and 8, we learn that the rod of God turning into a snake, swallowing the rods of Pharaoh's servants once they were snakes, and then becoming a rod again. Well, this sign was followed by four uh, plagues. The first, of course, was the Nile turning into blood, and then all the fish in the Nile dying, and the stink that came of that. They also had frogs, lice, and flies. Someone asked me after church last week, your Bible actually says lice? And I said, yes, it does. It says it right there. Um, mine says gnats. And I was like, okay, mine says lice. And so that's why I keep saying lice. I, I just keep reading what's written in my text. But with the four plagues, God made the fourth plague with the flies coming upon Egypt, God made a distinction there between Egypt and Israel. No flies were found in the land of Israel where Israel dwelt. Yet Pharaoh's heart, as we learn, and would continue to grow harder and harder. And though he offered Moses a compromise, he did not let the children of Israel go. And in chapters 9 and 10, God brings five more plagues upon Egypt and by the end of these plagues, the Egyptians would cry out for Israel to leave. And yet, Pharaoh's heart continues to grow harder and harder. And so, I titled this teaching tonight, Plagues, Plagues, and More Plagues. There's actually five that we're going to look at tonight, but I didn't want to title it Five Plagues. I could have said that, Five Plagues, I guess, but I was thinking Plagues, 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 and Plagues. But Plagues, plagues, and more plagues. Chapter 9, a pride-hardened heart. And chapter 10, that our children may know. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 of Exodus 9 and open us in prayer. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go in to Pharaoh and tell him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go, and still hold them. Behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen, and on the sheep, and there will be a very severe pestilence. And so, Father, we pray tonight that you would just be with us as we continue to worship. Lord, we've worshiped in song tonight, and now we want to just learn from your word. We want to hear that which the Spirit is speaking to your church, to this church, this night as we go through uh, these two chapters. And so, Father, help us to have ears that would hear what the Spirit is saying to the church this night, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So here we have, in the fifth plague, this great pestilence, and it's found in verses 1 through 7, that there is still distinction between the children of Israel and the Egyptians it would continue during the remaining plagues. In the fifth plague, this great pestilence came and killed all of Egypt's livestock, their cattle, and maybe not all. We'll find that in a later plague, they are 
with the hail coming that they are warned to rescue the animals. So maybe God killed a majority, but not all. But the Egyptians' livestock, their cattle, their horses, donkey, camels, oxen, and sheep, while all of Israel's livestock remain intact. They had no issue. There was this distinction between the two. And God does this sometimes. Sometimes when trouble comes, both the believer and the unbeliever go through the same or similar troubles. I would never say it's equal because as a believer, we can hold on to our faith. We have an anchor in the midst of the trouble, which unbelievers never have. But in Malachi 3, 17 and 18, the word of God tells us, They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. And here is a discerning that God is doing there in the land of Egypt, between those who served God and those who did not serve him. As we know, Israel, though they've been in the land of Egypt for over 400 years at this point, and they would be delivered 430 years to the day, according to the word of God, they still circumcised their sons. They were crying out to the Lord because of the bondage that the Egyptians had placed upon them, they were crying out to the Lord for deliverance. So even after 400 plus years, they still called on the name of the Lord. And God makes clear distinction between the two. And on judgment day, that's how it will be. God will set aside the righteous as his precious jewels, his faithful sons and daughters. And today, that distinction is made through faith in Jesus Christ. So the word tells us, verses 4 through 6, And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Then the Lord appointed and set a time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. So the Lord did this thing. On the next day all the livestock of Egypt died. But of the livestock of the children of Israel not one died. So to prove that this severe pestilence was of the Lord, God set the date. It's going to start tomorrow. And he also made distinction, saying it's not going to impact Israel's animals, but only the Egyptians. Now, as for the God of Egypt, that this possibly could have been against. One of the authors that I looked at last week, and I'm just going to quote what he wrote about this, Alec Goldstein, and this is from an article that he had called The Ten Plagues and Egyptian Mythology. He says, as for the Egyptian god, this plague came against, here too one struggles to find a clear correspondence. He would say perhaps it was directed against Hathor, who is depicted with the head of a cow. So they've already got one, one god with the head of a frog. And I guess, you know, if you've got a, a frog god, you might as well have a cow god. So a man depicted with the head of a cow. The frog was a woman depicted with the head of a frog. 
But also this Hathor, and this comes from Egyptian gods, the complete list. So I've been go they have a lot of gods. But Hathor, one of the best known, most popular, and most important deities of ancient Egypt, uh, it's a she. She was the daughter of Ra, and in some stories, the wife of Horus, the elder. She was the patron goddess of joy, inspiration, celebration, love, women, women's health, childbirth, and drunkenness. Now, that, that one just sounded weird. Everything's like going, yeah, 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 drunk too. I get joy and inspiration and celebration and love. And I guess if you celebrate too much, you become drunk. And she's that goddess too. The Greeks would name her Aphrodite. And so we're familiar with that name. And she's depicted as a cow or a woman with a cow's head. But in verse 7, it tells us that Pharaoh sent, and indeed, not one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead. So he went to check it out. But the heart of Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. Last week, we learned of the three Hebrew words that Moses connected to the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. The quazak it is a word that refers to to fasten upon, to seize, to bind. And it's used ten times, mostly connected with God. Kashah. It means to be dense, cruel, or to make grievous. And this one refers to the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. God instructing Moses in Exodus 7, 3, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make firm, make grievous the heart of Pharaoh. And then quabed, to be heavy, grievous, or to harden, found six times, always used of Pharaoh hardening his own heart. And so we discover that Pharaoh first hardened his own heart and continued to harden his heart. Sometimes God made that hardening a little worse, but eventually God would make firm the condition of Pharaoh's heart because he refuses to repent, truly repent. He would, in one of these plagues, we'll see that he asked for forgiveness. He declares that I have sinned and forgive me. He says the words, but... Our fruit is seen, not just by the words that we say, but the fruit that we bear. In Romans 1, 21 and 22, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools. And they were worshiping all these deities, rejecting the God who created them and making these little gods out of those things which God had created and distorting the images of those created things. Well, the sixth plague, the boils, verses 8 through 12, and we read picking up in verse 8 and 9, So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take for yourselves handfuls of ashes from a furnace, and let Moses scatter it toward the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh, and it will become fine dust on all the land of Egypt, and it will cause boils to break out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. And so here we still have beast. As I said in plague number five, though it said all the livestock, here we have some animals remaining. And the 
Ronavirus breaks out on the animals as well as the people. Well, it doesn't say that, does it? Sorry, had to throw it in there. We're all living with it, so let's see some connection here. God had Moses to take a handful of ash, it says, from a furnace to scatter it toward the heavens and do this in the sight of Pharaoh. And so verse 10, they did so. They took ash from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh and Moses scattered them toward the heaven and they caused boils to break out in sores on man and beast. And I believe God wanted Pharaoh to know from whom the plague came. The ash became as fine dust that infected Egypt with boils, both man and beast. And moreover, the plague was so severe that the Egyptian magicians, verse 11 says, could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians and on all the Egyptians. So Goldstein states, once again, regarding the Egyptian god that this may have been connected to, that it may have been directed against the gods of healing, Sekhmet, or Isis, or two gods mentioned there, Sekhmet and Isis. I'll, I'll read a little bit from the gods of Egypt of uh, the description of these gods, Sekhmet, one of the most significant goddesses of ancient Egypt, Sekhmet, was depicted as a woman with the head of a lion. Her name means powerful, interpreted as the female powerful one. She was the goddess of destruction and healing of the desert winds and cool breezes. Plagues were known as messengers of Sekhmet or the slaughterers of Sekhmet. That really stood out to me. Plagues, they connected plagues to this goddess. And God said, Moses, I want you in the sight of Pharaoh, take some ash from the furnace and throw it up in the air because I want Pharaoh to understand the source of this plague, that it didn't come from this Egyptian goddess, but it was from me. Isis, one of the most powerful and popular goddesses in Egyptian history, I'm just reading their information on this, she was associated with virtually every aspect of human life and in time became elevated to the position of supreme deity, mother of all gods, who cared for her fellow deities as she did for human beings. She cared for people in life and appeared with them after death to help guide them safely into paradise. And some connect Isis and the distortion of Mother Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, and how her role in Christianity is sometimes distorted where she becomes a co-redemptress, meaning that she helps guide people safely into paradise. In that sense, some connect a connection between Isis and Mother Mary, but I only say that when they distort Mary and put on her more than what the Scripture says of her. And we just need to stick with the Word of God. We stick with the Word of God. We're in good territory. When we start adding to the Word of God, it can get dangerous. So even the great severity of this plague, in verse 12, it says, The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. So his heart 
He refused to repent. And so God, as it says in Romans 2, 6, will render to each one according to his deeds. Romans 2, 5 speaks about the impenitent heart, the heart that refuses to impent, to repent, and how he is just storing up wrath for the day of wrath. Number seven, hail, breaks out on the land, verses 13 through 35. A lot of scripture connected to this one. But the seventh plague, pride is at the heart of Pharaoh's treatment of the children of Israel as he and his people had exalted themselves over the children of Israel and made them their slaves. Remember, they were afraid of the children of Israel that they would side with their enemies. So they forced them into this bondage. And thus God said to Moses and Aaron to explain to Pharaoh the purpose of the plagues, which were not only sent in order that Pharaoh would free Israel, but also that his people, that he and his people would know that there is none who is like the Lord in all the earth. In verses 13 through 16, we find the word telling us, Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning, stand before Pharaoh, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For at that time I will send all my plagues to your very hearts and all your servants and on your people that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Now if I have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed for this purpose I have raised you up that I may show power in you that my name may be declared in all the earth. So if God had desired to do so, he could have wiped Egypt off the face of the earth. But God said, this is not my purpose. God said, I have raised you up, talking to Pharaoh, I have raised you up that both Pharaoh and his people might know God's great power, which would cause the Lord's name to be declared in all the earth. Last week I had mentioned that 40 years later when the spies would go into Jericho and Rahab would hide the two spies that went there, that she would explain to the spies that all Jericho were frightened because of the Israelites that had gathered at their border. And she said, because we have heard what God did to the Egyptians. The message did go out to the then no earth at that time. God said, I have raised you up. And in Romans 9, 17 and 18, Paul explains, for scripture says to the Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills and whom he wills, he hardens. And so Paul takes and teaches from the Exodus accounts how God can work in individuals' lives, in nations, in kings, in people, to accomplish his purposes upon this earth. In verse 17, it tells us, As yet you exalt yourself against my people, that you will not let them go. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs sixteen eighteen that, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. And God is telling Pharaoh, 
You still exalt yourself against my people. You are still refusing to let them go. And so in this plague, a very heavy, severe hail that was mingled with fire and mighty thunderings rained down upon Egypt. As devastating as this plague was, God mercifully warns the Egyptians, giving them opportunity to avoid death for themselves, for their servants, and for their animals. So, Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for what it teaches us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that through faith in your name, we are all the children of God. For those who believe in the sacrifice, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and receive that gift of salvation. Help us, Lord, to be messengers of that to others, but especially to our children and to our children's children. Help us, Lord, to not only believe in Jesus, but to share our faith with our family and with those we come in contact with. We thank you, and we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.